Behold the voice of God. For those of you who don't know me officially, my name is Amanda Waller. And I am Aaron Moss, your host of Task Force X. What, we some kind of suicide squad? Well, yeah, that and... Checkmate. Task Force X is a podcast that tells the stories of John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kupperberg's Checkmate from the late 80s, early 90s. I want to build a team of some bad people who can do some good. And that's what Suicide Squad is. While Checkmate is a team of good people doing some good. My mission here is to chronicle each and every title and all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during that era. We're the U.S. government. You're going to start a blog and expose us? Well, a blog and a headcast, Amanda. Those scumbags are trying to screw me. Not at all, Amanda. Just trying to help everyone else discover the joy of the Suicide Squad and Checkmate. Anywho, hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them. Oh, so many years ago. Mother... That's enough of that, Amanda. Let's go ahead and start the show. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Remember, I'm watching. I see everything. And welcome, squadmates, to episode 55 of Task Force X. Uh, we got two great issues coming up for you, so let's go ahead. Without further ado, let's start the show. Uh, the first episode we're going to look at, first episode, the first issue we're going to look at is Checkmate number 27. The cover date was May of 1990. The on-sale date was March the 27th of 1990. The cover price is $1.50. Again, this was printed on the better quality paper, so it was a little bit more than other books at the time. Nowadays, we'd love to pay $1.50 for a book. Anyways, uh, the title of this was called Kidnapped. Written by the wonderful Paul Kupperberg, penciled by Tom Greinberger. Inker was Al Vey. Letter, Lee Keys. Colorist, Juliana Freder. Editor, Jonathan Peterson. And the cover was done by Tom Greinberger. The synopsis. After his children are kidnapped, Harry Stein breaks Jacques Renard out of checkmate custody. Starred still orders Harry stopped, but Stein avoids capture. Because well, he's Harry Stein. He takes Renard to an abandoned chemical plant to make the exchange. Valentina Vostok has found the plant, too. She tries to quietly help Stein, but her presence is discovered, triggering a gunfight. Gun Niles Dark, the kidnapper, and Renard escape. One of Stein's children is wounded and rushed to the hospital for surgery. Stein is then arrested. Dun, dun, dun. So there is the, the quick synopsis. And again, I want to thank Mike's Amazing World for the information on this issue. Uh, now let's go ahead and look at the actual issue itself. As I normally do, we're going to start with the cover. The cover, we have a close-up shot of one of Harry's kids getting shot in the back. Uh, back in the background, we have uh, a guy with a gun shooting, just spraying the area with uh, look like a submachine gun of some sort. I, I'm not... A gun guy, so I couldn't tell you. Between the bullets and his son, we have Harry and his other son. Harry's reaching out. Matthew! And the guy up on the gantry saying, Say goodbye to your son, Stein! As he's blowing people away. Well, blowing Harry's son away. A great cover. Uh, I, again, this is one of these got like the orange-yellow background. And then we have the, the still, the pipe works, the gantry, and the people on the cover. We get the bullets firing a couple into the ground around Harry's son. And again, we see one going. You don't see it going into his back because his body's in the way. But you do see one of the, the insignias of the gunfire blasting towards him. And the way his, his, his back is arched and the look on his face is, you know, his pupils are dilated. It's just it's a great cover, uh, especially, you know, again, now I'm looking at this now as a father. When the first time I read this, I wasn't. So again, see, seeing a cover where a man is seeing one of his own sons, young sons even, shot. Uh, that can pull in the heartstrings. And I think Tom uh, Grindberger did a fantastic job on this cover. I, again, it's not poster worthy in my opinion, but it, it's a great cover nonetheless. Then we move on into the story itself. So the second page of this, we get, I mean, the first page is just a, flat, a splash page of Harry looking at his open wallet. He got a couple of 50 sticking out and he's looking at a picture of him and his kids and some sort of parade. There's balloons in the background, a monorail, 
a humongous penguin staring down at him. I think that penguin looks suspicious. And then he's got an air card, which I guess is his credit card. But he's just looking at his picture thing, you know, just hanging there a little while longer, boys. Because uh, we get Harry on the way to rescue his kids or attempt to rescue his kids. He's on the phone talking to his wife. I'm sorry, ex-wife. Assuring he's going to do everything he can to save the kids. She needs to keep out of sight just in case someone is still watching her. And he promises her that he's going to not let anything happen to his kids or their kids. Again, as I covered in the synopsis, uh, that's going to fail. But, and again, reading this the first time through, you, you get the sense, well, you know, Terry Stein is the hero. Of course, he's going to save his kids. But then seeing the cover and having read it previously, uh, we do know that one of his kids gets shot. Uh, I don't recall the outcome of that because I haven't reread these in years. But also on this page at the top, we get him kind of think about how he's gotten this position, how he's stopped bad guys, and now they've actually kidnapped his kids. And again, we get some uh, footnotes here back in Checkmate 25 and also last issue. Again, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, I love when they have footnotes referring to actual issues and not trade paperbacks or storylines because uh, it makes it easier if you want to track down the actual issues. But I guess nowadays they'd rather you buy the trade paperback, but... And shenanigans. Anyways. <laughs> and then Harry goes back to where he has Jacques Renard tied up. And Jacques relates how he became bishop, how he felt abandoned after during uh, the Janus directive. Again, another footnote. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> he was saying that you know, he thought he'd think of himself as a survivor. And he they left him wounded to die at the hands of Cobra's Blackadders. And, you know, again, he knew the risk, but he didn't expect to be abandoned. So, I think Jacques, I mean, again, it's who he is, but I, I think he is unfairly blaming Harry and Checkmate for what happened. I, if I'm not mistaken, they thought he was dead, so that's why they, they didn't bother trying to rescue him, because, uh, again... Checkmate is kind of the organization that will have your back if needed. So I, I don't know. I just, I think he's been very unfair to Harry and the organization as a whole, but it is what it is. I mean, that that's his motivation. That's, that's his mindset. And unfortunately, some people get that way. They, they want to play the victim, the, the, oh, you've offended me or you've wounded me. So he, he has to do anything to justify his own actions, I guess. And then Harry thinks about the Janus Directive and says how they lost more than two-thirds of their night force. Uh, there was 30 men and women that died. And again, Harry's kind of beating himself up because he's the one that sent them out on the mission. He's the, their leader. So and again, that's the kind of man that Harry is, is that he, he will take the blame when needed, even though he's doing his job. And then we have a nice segue here of Harry trying to call uh, Jefferson Jackson. I forget his name now. Uh, Gary. That's his first name. So he's kind of called Gary the the night that he had uh, watching, kind of trying to help watch out for him. That got shot last issue, issue before. I forget now. Again, there's been a delay since I've recorded these due to life. But, but we get Gary. He's sitting there. He's dressed up still as a bum. And uh, he's thinking about how you know he feels like he's been slammed in the chest and the sledgehammer, and and again we got these garbage men here throwing trash away, dumping in the garbage truck, and this couple's walking into the apartment building next to where Gary's at. They're like, "Keep moving, Betsy. Let's not get involved." That man, he's he he's buzzing, and because again that's Harry trying to contact him, but Gary isn't filling up to answering the phone, seeing how, you know, he's shot. And again, he's sitting there coughing up blood, which as we all know, is never a good thing. And, uh, the woman's like, but Melvin, he looks sick. Shouldn't we? He's drunk. Okay. They're always drunk. Let's just go. So again, this, and this is just kind of the prejudice that a lot of people have towards homeless people. You see him sitting there, you assume he's drunk or it's his own doing, not knowing that this is actually a checkmate night, that he's actually injured, 
But again, most people don't care about the homeless. There's let, let's go on. And I, I don't know if I like the fact that this guy's name is Melvin, because that's my actual first name. But, uh, <laughs> but I do like that the woman, the wife is, you know, we should, we should try to help. And he's like, no, he's just drunk. Let's get out of here. Because again, most people want to ignore and, and not worry about or not do anything about the homeless uh, situation other than complain about it. So that's furthering that here. We see in reality, unfortunately. And uh, uh, Gary's like, Washington, I think it's the last name is Washington. I forget now. Uh, but Gary's like, he's thinking to himself, got to be some busted ribs at least. And he's thinking, thanks for the help, pal. Jerk. Hope you never have to find out what it's like to get ambushed and shot by a group of thugs armed with heavy artillery. And again, we get a little uh, notation here that was last issue. Uh, thank you again, Jonathan. Thank you for pointing that out. And again, I love those little reminders. And so we find out he was wearing his bulletproof, proof, bulletproof vest. But still, as I've heard, I've never been shot, especially wearing a bulletproof vest. But I hear it can still pack a wall up and still hurt. Because uh, I guess he was wearing his costume underneath the the bum's clothes. And yeah, it says here, you know, the, the bullet, the, the costume saved his life, though it did a little to cushion the bullet's impact. And so Gary gets up and goes to look in the restaurant because he was supposed to keep an eye on the front man that they'd met at the warehouse, waterfront, hoping that they would lead him to the kidnapped kids. And as we saw last issue, they was made, he was shot. And by the time he got up again, uh, they were they were out of the picture. They're gone. And again, another little note here. Last issue again. See the excitement you miss when you don't keep up? Jonathan. Correct. That's why you can't miss an issue of this. Because this is, like I said, it's a great book. Um, I, I like ta- uh, Suicide Squad more because it's more of a superhero book of sorts. But Checkmate's also a great title. I say once I started picking it up, I didn't pet it down until it was over. I think that Mr. Paul Kupperberg did a fantastic job on this issue, as always. And again, I love his writing on here because, again, I think the dialogue, he's able to sum up what happened previously without tying it down with needless dialogue, I don't think. And I think. And he's also... Well, I say he weaves a good story, tying all these different narrative bits together. He's got all these balls in the air. Uh, we're dealing with Harry and his missing kid. We get uh, Gary here trying to help Harry out, but he's getting shot. So we're dealing with his storyline. And he's got all this stuff tied in back since the Janus directive, which was been a while back in the story wise, that it's just these people disappear and they reappear as needed, and it just keeps the story flowing. And again, Paul does a fantastic job on the writing on this. I'm only six pages in or so, and I'm still just gushing over the book. So, And then we cut to Checkmate Headquarters, where we get uh, Sarge Still coming to pick up Jacques Renard, trying to come on his last and first name, first and last name. And since Harry's not here, uh, Harvey Bullock is picking up the slack for him and he's meeting Stein. I'm sorry. He's meeting uh, Sarge still. And Harvey is kind of stalling, kind of dragging it out. And I like here at the bottom, uh, and again, page numbers. I love it. Uh, page, bottom of page six, top of page seven. Sarge is like, now I want Renard to fill out, fill some of the blanks for me. And Harvey's all, uh, so you want to see him, huh? That would be nice. Yes. You have a problem with that, mister? Well, you see, it's uh, kind of like this. He, uh, he, and Sarge Till's like, spit it out. He ain't here. <laughs> he is, he, where is he? Oh, well, actually, sir, that's a good question. And again, Sarge Till's getting upset because uh, he wants to see the prisoner and the prisoner's not there. He's like, don't play games with me, Bullock. Damn it. I want to talk to Stein now. Well, it's like this. Renard is with Harry, or, to be honest, actually, Harry kidnapped him away from our security quarters. 
And so Sarsil's like, he did what? What in God's name is going on around here? And he punches a metal wall. And again, Sarge still, if you don't know, uh, again, I'm not sure of his, his background particularly. I know he was a Captain Adam character, if not mistaken, over in the Charlton days. But he punches a, a metal wall. And it, his uh, right hand, no, left hand is a, is a metal hand. So he punches, he knocks a hole in this, this metal wall or cabinet or whatever it is. And he still walks out and slams the door behind him, you know, upset that Harry has stolen, has kidnapped their, their suspect. They're, they're, you know, the bishop, the guy that they're going to try to get information of the organization more. So, and again, I, I can't blame Harry because, again, he's trying to save his kid or kids. But on the other hand, I can't really blame Sarge Steele for getting upset because, again, well, you just don't take prisoners out of lockup and, you know, without permission, without there's a whole thing you would have to do to to take someone. But again, Harry's kind of... uh, well, it, supposedly he's going to be trading him for his kids. His kids. So we'll see what happens, and we'll find out where it falls apart. Apparently, and then here on page eight we get Harry's kids talking, and we got the older one trying to comfort the younger one. Like, yeah, we'll get out of this. And he's like, "How do you know?" He's like, "Well, Dad's a spy. That's what he does." It's like, he's like, uh, his younger brother's like, "How he's going to find us here?" And the older one's like, "Cause he used to be a cop, dummy. Only now he's a spy, like James Bond." He's gonna find us easy. <laughs> so I, I do love how the the in this situation. I mean, I was an older brother myself at one time, so I know how mean and jerky big brothers can be. But also, when the time comes, uh, the older brother is comforting his younger brother, which they want to do. And again, we get a little. Uh, he's telling his brother, you know, remember the time when we were at Waldo World, and the space shuttle landed on the beach. Which again, referring back to Checkmate 13. And his, the kid's like, I overheard him on the phone later. He had to use all these codes and things. I'm telling you, he's like a head spy or something. And the brother's, wow, that's so cool. All right, dad's a real life superhero. He'll rescue us for sure. So he, he kind of got his mood turned around by his older brother. And again, uh, the older brother's Matt's. So, yeah, Matt's kind of cheered his younger brother up, I guess. Maybe that's not the right word, but he helped him see through. You know, that, you know, his dad is going to rescue him because that's what his dad does. His dad is like a ninja super spy, and his dad's going to come and kick some butts. And then we're at LaGuardia Airport where we have uh, Harry Landing. And, again, I like the, he's at the the uh, airline he's at or whatever the, the uh, hangar he's at. It's called Chess Aviation. Which fits in as checkmate. And then the next couple of pages, we get Harry arriving at the safe house. And waiting for him is a, a checkmate knight, uh, Phil Kramer. And Harry puts together that apparently Sarge Stills already got things in place to try to bring him back. Him and uh, Jacques. And Harry's able, you know, he's like, the, Harry's Phil's boss. But again, since Harry's doing something wrong and Phil is ordered by Harry's boss to bring him back, he doesn't have any choice in the matter. But I do like Harry is able to take out Phil and the other uh, checkmate. I'm going to say the knight or whatever the other guy with him is. But he takes both these guys out so they can get away. So Harry can continue trying to trade Jacques for his kids' life. And again, as a father, yeah, you, you do anything you can to save your kids, especially young kids like that. So that's very much what something Harry would do, I think. So a great, again, I just love the writing in here. It just, Paul did a fantastic job, as I keep saying. And then we cut the, we'll get Gary doing his own research on, uh, what's the guy's name? My mind blanked out, sorry. Uh, doing his own research on Niles Dark. So he goes to the uh, place where he, he works, in quotes, as a janitor. And that story's taking place. Meanwhile, we have Val Vostok talking with uh, Professor Braddock, who's trying to find out what's going on with Harry, why Harry would take Jacques. And Harry, I'm sorry, Braddock has able to tap into 
Harry's phone line and discovered that Harry's kids are kidnapped and that's why he took their prisoner. And again, Val's like, of course. And again, this is Val Vostok, as I've talked about previously. She used to be in the Doom Patrol as Negative Woman uh, before she lost those powers. And now she's just an ordinary person. Uh, She's a blonde uh, Russian woman. Again, here she's got, this is the late 80s. She's got her hair short, kind of poofed up. Not a big fan of the hairstyle. But again, Val is a, as Shag would say, she's hot. Uh, she's a very beautiful woman. So, again, when uh, Braddock finds out what happened, she, it's like Bell's going, of course, why else would Harry, you know, do this unless his family's in danger? And she has to download a hard copy of the calls between Natalie, which is Harry's wife, and Harry for the last 72 hours. And she gives a kiss on the cheek. And again, a beautiful blonde, you know, kissing this, this computer nerd on the cheek. He's like, whoa, baby. <laughs> And she rushes off. He's like, well, actually, uh, how would you like to join me for dinner? And she's not really paying attention to him because she's off to help save Harry and hopefully Harry's kids. So she rushes in and she finds Winston O'Donnell again. He's the the checkmate that was injured that he's currently on, uh, been sidelined. And she tells him that, you know, Harry needs help. Uh, She needs a knight. Someone look for a little action on the OT. <laughs> and uh, again, Winston's a little, I don't want to say upset, but he's a little annoyed that he's still sidelined. They, they weren't sure if he was Bishop or not. He was one of the two. Him and Jacques were both suspected to be Bishop. So he's a little, still a little annoyed that he was suspected for, for Bishop, which, I mean, it's not unreasonable that he was one of the suspects. But he's like, gee, Lassie, I don't know. Are you sure you can... Are, are you sure for such a personal mission I can be trusted? I know it's to be, and she's saying, I know you're still mad at us for the old Bishop affair. We don't want to question your loyalty, but you know, we had to figure this out. And Val is a very no nonsense type of gal. So she's just like, you know what? The bottom line is an old friend of mine and yours is in trouble. So you in or out. I don't have time for your silly attitude games. And again, this here on bottom of page 14, the middle panel at the bottom. We get Val looking away, kind of, you know, down and despondent. And Winston's looking down, thinking about it. And then all of a sudden he turns, he's like a little smile on his face. All right, I'm in. So what's the story? <laughs> and again, so I, I love these characters in this book, how they're, they're willing to come together. And they, they're they like a family unto themselves. So it's great that they're willing to help each other out, even though they may not be doing it per the book. Then we cut back to the uh, Gary storyline where he's investigating what's going on. He's trying to find out what happened with uh, Niles Dark. Uh, some guys come in, rough him up, and knock him out. Uh, I mentioned that now because it's going to be important here in a little bit. And then we cut to the home of, in quotes, the bad guy, Victor Cipher, where one of his lowly, lowlings, lowlies, flunkies, is reporting to him that uh, the French authorities are unwilling to even discuss setting bail for Mr. Marzan. They're afraid he's going to try to escape. And I like <laughs> uh, the guy, the flunky's like, considering the gravity of the charges against him, they're afraid he'll flee if he isn't detained. And uh, Cypher's like, that's the whole idea, you idiot. Andre Marzai is essential to my plans. And if you can't help me, I'll have to assign someone else who can. And he pulls up his shotgun, just blasts and kills the guy right there. And that's, I mean, I don't know if anyone actually ever does that, but that seems to be a kind of a trope with these bad guys. I mean, Darth Vader did it. A lot of other big bosses have done that in movies and books and what have you. Uh, When someone brings them bad news, they'll kill the guy, which doesn't really inspire loyalty to me. I wouldn't want to work for somebody that, you know, they're on a a very uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for. Uh, they're willing to kill you if things don't go their way. I mean, that's no way to inspire loyalty. That's no way to get you know people want to work for you. I wouldn't think, but these guys seem to have no no end of lackey. So uh, again, as it's always been said, criminals aren't very smart. So. That's why they're willing to work for these these scumbags, because they're not very bright, apparently. 
And I've been talking about how much I enjoy the art in this book. I think the artist did a fantastic job. Um, I am going to take a moment here on page 17, the top right-hand top panel. Uh, Jacques is laying in the backseat tied up, and this is one of the few flubs I, I found in the book. The way he's positioned, maybe it's just me, but the way he's positioned on this this back seat doesn't look very comfortable. I mean, his, his knees, his lower waist is turned one way, and then it's like his upper waist and his head's turned. It seems like an almost impossible angle to be turned the way he's laying in there. It's definitely not very comfortable. I, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know what happened to Jog's body there. Uh, in fact, if I think about it, I will post this on the website, uh, on the Facebook group. I'll post this if I don't f- forget. Because, again, it's just an odd-looking panel, the way, the way Jacques laying in the backseat of the car. But, anyways, Harry shows up to the exchange to get his kids back. And as the meet's going on, Val shows up in some neat green bodysuit. Shows off her body. And here on the bottom of page 18, again... Another, I think, misstep in the artwork. Uh, we get Val, who is a bishop. She's considered herself a bishop. She knocks out one of the guards with a taser. And the way she lands here on the bottom of page 18, another, another, in my opinion, misstep on the artwork. Her legs are spread. And I guess some people can do that. I mean, you see, uh, what's his name? John Claude Van Damme doing that all the time. You know, legs almost parallel to his body. So her legs are spread out almost parallel, actually a little bit higher than her, her torso. But then you got the way she's laying, one leg is hanging over the edge of the the uh, gantry. Uh, one foot is up. It's just, again, another picture with very odd-looking poses. And again, I don't know if maybe when the uh, negative energy left her body, maybe it left her with the ability to... Just contort her body into impossible angles, but uh, for a book that's got a lot of nice artwork, I'm sorry, excellent artwork, uh, this is another misstep in the book, in my opinion. Um, again, I'm not an art guy. If you guys are art people that know more about art than I do, if this is a realistic angle, let me know. But yeah, I think he made another misstep here on page 17 and page 18. A couple of missteps with the, these body poses. And then here on page 19, we get uh, Harry finding his kids are tied up and hanging by a rope. And we also, as I talked about earlier, uh, Gary shows up. Gary's tied up, gagged, hanging upside down. And uh, so Gary sees like, look, we could stand here all night. We go a lot faster if you just let me see the kids. So they flash on the lights and that's where we get the kids hanging there. And the guy doing the negotiating is like, no problem. I have throwing a little bonus for you. Barry, Matt, and Gary, too. And so the Knights uh, jump out and start helping the Knights. The Knight, uh, Winston, helps, jumps out and starts helping Val taking these guys out. Unfortunately, one falls over the edge, which alerts these the main guy that there's something fishy going on. Like, up there, damn it, Stein didn't come alone. Didn't come alone. Get them. And so, again, here on page 20, we get a little more fight. We get Val taking these guys out. Uh, page 21. Again, I, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I love the look of the knight costume. Uh, we get this knight taking out a couple guards of his bow staff. And then whacking another guy in the back of that, knocking him down. Meanwhile, these guys are shooting guns all over the place. And one hits a barrel with a, a toxic symbol on it. And the barrels start exploding. So Harry's freeze Gary and his kids, trying to get them out of there. And here we see on the cover where we find the guy that has the gun. Uh, it's dark. It's the guy that Gary was looking for. Niles Dark. He grabs the gun from his guys and he tries to shoot Harry Stein. And one of the bullets, we see Harry pushing one of his smaller kid down, his older kid getting one. Here, we, it looks like he's going th- directly through his, his body, from his back, out through his chest. And again, bottom page 22, we have uh, Harry said, Matt, 
What did you? Oh, my God. Matt. And again, so we get a sudden shot, and Harry's just getting to spawn over that. Meanwhile, uh, Niles is escaping. He goes to take Harry's car, where he finds Jacques in the back seat. As they take off, a helicopter, which isn't one of theirs, lands in front of him to stop him. And uh, Jacques like, uh, is that attack ship ours? And Niles is like, no, but the hovercraft is. Meanwhile, above the, the helicopter, this white giant hovercraft flies in, picks up the car with both men in it and takes off. Uh, they land and Harry runs, carrying his kid along with his other son and Gary they come running up into the, the helicopter as they take off. Here at the bottom of page 24, as the entire uh, complex starts exploding. And then the bottom of page 25, we get Harry's son in surgery as they're working on him. Uh, his wife shows up. Yeah, I got to see my son. And we find out that they're crashing the crash cart. And suddenly the police are there. I don't know if it's police or who it is. Exact, we'll find out. But like, you got somewhere else to be, Stein. You're under arrest. As they show up to arrest Stein for, again, he broke Jacques out of jail. It's And Jacques has now escaped. He's in the wild, so they don't even have him to question. So, I, again, I can't blame Harry for what he did. Because, again, if it was my son or sons that was kidnapped, I would probably do much the same thing. At least I would hope I would. So, I don't know, just, Harry's in the rock in a hard place. He had to free his sons, he had to help his sons. And unfortunately, he allowed Bishop, a.k.a. Jacques, to escape from custody. Uh, I don't know, I, just, I can't really blame Harry, but then again, in Starge Seal's position, he, he's got, someone's got to take the blame, someone's got to take the fall, and well, here's Harry. So anyways, this is to be continued, of course. Next issue is Breakouts. Uh, so, have you guys read this issue? What do you think? Did you guys like it? Uh, what do you think of the artwork? Well, I say I thought it was great artwork, except for those couple of panels that I, I pointed out that looked an anatomically, anatomically, anatomically incorrect. Everything else was fantastic art. Paul, as always, does a magnificent job with the writing. He makes you care for these characters. He, uh, I don't know, I just, I love the way that Paul writes this book. But we're going to go and take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to play some commercial breaks from some French shows. And we'll be right back to look at Suicide Squad. We'll be back with much more fun. Now don't you change that channel, son. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Man, it sure is great to be back to, from crisis to crisis after all this time. It's been a busy year for both of us. For very different reasons. But now we're ready to cover the post-death and return Superman stories. Yeah, and we're about to start the books that came out in 1994, which means that we have so much to look forward to, like Bizarro's World. The Battle for and Fall of Metropolis. Superman Doomsday, Hunter, Prey. Worlds Collide. Well, you're looking forward to that one. Oh, bite me. Zero hour. Zero month. And right there at the end, we have Dead Again. And don't forget the Elseworlds annuals as well. Well, most of them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those really did suck, don't they? But From Crisis to Crisis is back. New episodes will drop on Thursday, just like before. You can find the show at the Superman homepage, www.supermanhomepage.com, as well as at the Superman Podcast Network, which is at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we also have a Facebook page that you can like by going to www.facebook.com slash from crisis to crisis a superman podcast.com. Is it dot com on there? No. No, no, it's not. No, no dot com. Forget that. <laughs> So From Crisis to Crisis is back, folks, and better than ever. Well, I'm better than ever. You need some work. No, shut up. No, you 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 shut up. From Crisis to Crisis, you suck. a Superman podcast covering the post-crisis adventures of Superman one half month at a time. Every Thursday at www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailitude.com. 
You are receiving the transmission from the Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic. Which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. The Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, till all are one. Till all are one. Till all are one! Attention, attention all personnel. New from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, it's MASHCAST! Hosted by MASH megafan Rob Kelly and a rotating cast of VIPs, MASHCAST analyzes, episode by episode, the greatest television series of all time, MASH. Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Jocularity! Jocularity! We are green from head to toe, now we go back to the show. And welcome back from the break. We are now going to look at Suicide Squad. Issue 39. The cover date on this was March of 1990. The on sale date, February the 6th of 1990. The cover price was $1. Yes, $0.50 less than the uh, Checkmate book. Because again, Checkmate was in the better format paper. I think it was the new format or something like that. So that that explains part of the the reason for the price uh, being much higher. And again, this came out... It looks like a month, almost two months before the issue of Checkmate we just looked at. The title of this issue is called Dead Issue. Written by John Ostender and Kim Yell. Penciler was Luke McDonnell. Inker, Jeff Isherwood. Letterer, Todd Klein. Colorist, Carl Gafford. Editor, Don Raspler. And this was reprinted in Suicide Squad Apocalypse Now trade paperback in 2017. Uh, The cover was done by Jeff Isherwood. The synopsis, after Waller's continued involvement with the Suicide Squad is made public, Sarge Still shuts down the team. Waller argues for the team to continue, but she is able to convince Still. Fearing that the Loa is still a threat, Waller enlists Deadpool, Poison Ivy, and Raven, Raven, Raven to handle the case permanently. Using the criminals, Waller reaches the leadership of the Loa, then orders Deadpool shot to murder them. He does, because that's what Deadshot does. Waller then releases Deadshot, Ivy, and Ravon, and for her actions, Waller is sent to prison. Dun-dun-dun-dun! Sorry, listen a little different. Uh, again, this is Suicide Squad. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the issue itself now. So, the cover of this was a very dark and greedy cover. We have Amanda Waller in handcuffs, uh, we see prison bars behind her. We have one guy. Ga- 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 try that in English for you guys. We have one cop with a shotgun pointed at her, it looks like. We have another cop with glasses on. Uh, her, Amanda and the one cop's looking up at the camera, basically, as she's being led to prison. Great cover. This, is, this leads into the next uh, four-issue story arc. It's like a one-year-later type thing where they jump ahead a year. Uh, again, this is great. Uh, as I've always said, and I'll say it again, for my superhero books, I, I like the more four-color, vibrant colors. But Suicide Squad, this darker look, it really fits. It's just a great look for the book. So I think that uh, Jeff Isherwood does a, did a fantastic job on the cover. It's very dark and moody and... It displays, like I say, you've got Amanda in the spotlight. It looks like we get the prison bars around her. It's a great cover. This is almost, in my opinion, poster worthy. 
on over my G.I. Joe show, uh, G.I. Joe, Roll American Headcast, available on the Headcast Network. Uh, over there, we talk about, you know, rating the covers, and we ask, you know, a five is if you'd rather, if you'd like to have this as a full-size poster to hang on your wall. I, I could actually see getting this one as a poster and hanging on my wall, so this is damn near a five for me. Now, we'll move to the actual inside the story of the story, of the story of the story of the issue. <laughs> so, we start off a splash page, again, a Damn fine splash page, in my opinion. We get a side view of Amanda Waller as she's reading the uh, Courier Times. I'm assuming it's the Courier Times, maybe. Uh, front page says exposed Suicide Squad scandal. How Amanda Waller is still running America's MetaHuman Covert Act- Act- Active Agency, something agency. Uh, and this this article was written by uh, John Ostender and Kim Yell. And then we also have an artist rendition of Mrs. Wall- Mrs. Waller before a Senate hearing as rendered by Luke McDonald and Jeff Isherwood. And then inside it says there's a letter from Todd Klein. Career Guide, What is the Colors Do by Carl Gafford. Editorial page, Deadlines and Vacant Promises by Dan Raspler. <laughs> and then comics. Uh, I, I love the way they did the credits on this issue. Uh, usually it's just a little credit box. Or spatter on the page somewhere, but this here they actually incorporate it into the newspaper the man is reading. I thought that this was a nice touch. I don't know if this was uh, John or Kim's idea, or if it was I, I don't know, or if it was Luke McDonald. I, I don't know who actually designed this, and I'm not sure. I'm assuming that these letters are done by the the uh, artist. I don't think the letter would do this. So maybe it's Luke and or and or Jeff's idea. I don't know, but this is a neat way. I like when they incorporate the the uh, credits into the story itself. It makes it a little more interesting. Little, I uh, really, I don't know about interesting is the right word, but it makes it. Oh, uh, it changes it up a little bit. It, it it makes it better in my opinion. But again, a very nice page. Uh, again, giving us basically a recap, not a recap, but a uh, a quick. Where we're at right now, we know that just opening the first page that Amanda Waller has been exposed. We get who writing the story and the art and all that in a very interesting way. So, again, I really like this first page. And then we get Amanda talking to Sarge still on the phone and basically Steele's telling her that they're shutting him down. Prisoners are going back to prison. Psychos are going back to Arkham Asylum. Uh, and Amanda's basically defending her. She's like, well, listen, you guys knew I was writing this thing. I never swore her oath that I wouldn't. So I'm clear there. Okay, they know Kale's a fraud. Again, there was patently, nothing patently illegal about that. I mean, maybe morally, but we didn't do anything illegal. What are you closing us down for? I like it, man. This, this picture here, bottom panel, page two, bottom uh, left panel. We get like a long shot of Amanda standing in front of the computer console. We get a stained glass window in the back. Amanda's on the phone just ranting and raving and, you know, yelling at Sarge still about, you know, why the hell are you closing us down? We're getting the job done. Yes, people know what's going on now, but I didn't do anything illegal. And he's like, well, no, but you become an embarrassment, a liability to the administration. And the only way to recover is to close you guys down for good. And Lola, uh, Lola, uh, Amanda asks about what about the Lola. And Sarge says that they'll get Checkmate to look into it. Hey, Checkmate, that's another book I cover. Oh, we just talked about that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> And we get Amanda saying that, well, they're up to their butt and their own issues. And they are, because as we're reading about over on Suicide Squad, sorry, as we're about over in Checkmate, uh, they are dealing with the whole Bishop being one of their people, Matt's kids being kidnapped. In fact, this issue came out a month before the last issue of Checkmate we just talked about came out. So they're definitely up to their own necks and their own trouble. And then here at the bottom of page three, we get an extreme close-up of Sarge Still. We see one eye and part of the other eye in his nose and the cigarette and the smoke coming up from his face. And he's basically saying, you know what, you know what, Amanda? It's no longer your problem. The squad is shut down and you're fired, basically. And then we next panel over, we get a again an extreme shot of Amanda standing in front of the console, holding the phone away from her as it says click. And she's sitting there staring at it. And again, there's no detail to this. It's just vague 
vagueness within shadows and Amanda standing there. But the way that this was drawn, at least to me, you can get a real sense of Amanda's defeat. Amanda just being, you know, again, she's she's given the last, I don't know how many years of her life for the Suicide Squad to do some good in the world. And Sarge still just like, you know, in a heartbeat has disbanded her. So disbanded the squad. And uh, who knows what's going to happen with her at this point, because this is what she does. So you almost have to feel sorry for Amanda Waller. And then the next page, we get a split page. The first three panels is Amanda letting Murph and everyone else know that Matt Murphy, Kel, and I believe it's uh, John Ekomos letting him know that the uh, they're the squad's being shut down. And as she said, you know, pack your bags, revise your resumes, kids. The home office has shut us down. And then we get the Loa guys. Uh, what's her name? What's his name? Dam- Dambala, the, the leader and a couple of his people is looking at the paper. Yes, I was right. It was the career times <laughs> she was reading because they're reading it here as they realize that now the suicide squad is basically out of their hair. And apparently Dambala is the one that exposed them because it says here, this is right hand man or whatever is like an enemy neutralized. And we have only pick up the phone. You have to love it, Dambala. So again, we get a little bit more of the uh, Loa going on here. We get some, you know, the next couple pages, we see some street scenes with them narrating what's going on. Again, this is the darker, grittier artwork, but for the Suicide Squad, I think it's a great fit, as I keep saying. I mean, probably almost every month. I just love the way that Luke McDonald does the artwork in this book. And then Jeff Fisherwood, his, his inks over the pen. I, again, I don't know how much of this is the pencils and how much is the inks, but they make a great team. Uh, Jeff Fisherwood and Luke McDonald, they, they do a great job working together on this. Again, it's very gritty, very, and not really realistic, but it's a very dark and gritty book. And I like that about the Suicide Squad. And then on page seven, we cut back to the, uh, to Bell Rev, where we get Father Kramer walking through and he's watching Punch and Julie as they interact. And again, Punch and Julie is a very a comical, but a very, if you look at it realistically, abusive couple. Uh, Punch is looking at the, you know, talking about how they're ready to retire. And he's touching the baby, you know, and he said, June and I have done our time and earned our freedom. Now we're looking for a quiet place to settle down and play with Bowser here. And uh, Julie hits him in the head. He's like, Ward, I thought I told you don't touch me there. And he, he, she's like, you can't hurt the baby. And <laughs> Father Kramer's like, Lord, I know you have a divine, divine plan for all things. Forgive me for wondering just what part are they supposed to play in it? And like here, very in the background, it's very subtle. We see Dr. Light's ghost. In fact, I, I know that's Dr. Light's ghost because I've read this book and I know it's coming up. I'm not sure if that's what we're supposed to get out of this, but we see a, a, a ghostly figure in Serpent coming through the wall in the background, arms up, kind of flying through. And again, I know it's Dr. Light. I'm not sure if, if I'm splaying anything here. Uh, we'll have to read through and see. But. I'm just trying to think, because I know it jumps ahead a year after this, but we'll get to that next month. But, hmm. Anyways, uh, then we go on, and we have a, a Colonel Stedman meeting with Major Victory, and he's telling me, you know, we realize that, you know, you, you've done a good job here. We don't blame you for anything that's going on for the whole suicide fiasco. And he's like, you know, you go where you're told. You're, you're a good soldier. And basically, he's asking... Uh, major victory to find some good, some, some dirt on Amanda Waller, because again, as he knows, and as anyone that reads this book knows, Amanda Waller can be, and is a loose cannon. So with her knowing that her, her entire job's going away, her entire, cause again, the suicide squad, if I'm not mistaken, was her baby. So if that going, going away, who knows what she'll do to try to recover it. And so he's like, "How about a soldier? You ready to help your country? Wouldn't do yourself any harm. Wouldn't do yourself any harm either." And then Victor, Major Victor, we have a close up of his face. He's going, "Go to hell, Stoneman." What? 
Seems a lot of people around here have gotten the wrong impression about me, Stoneman. So let me set you straight. Despite my j- battle name, I'm a civilian, not a soldier. I don't follow your orders. I follow my own conscience. Because of Waller, the Force of July died. Because of Waller, the country was saved. The Force deserved better. So does Waller. I can't help them. I won't betray her. I'm through being anyone's stooge, and I never was anyone's stoolie. Now, Waller, on your own. And he gets up and walks away, and the, the guy is saying, he's like, turn in your uniform, you're through. And Major Victor's like, you didn't give me a uniform. The man who did is dead. I've got it. I'm keeping it. And if you think you can come get if you think you can get it for me, take it. And slams the door and leaves this this general guy. Uh, was he a general? I'm gonna look again real quick. Colonel. Leaves this colonel just fume. He's just got his hands clenched to his side, like, ah. Because again, not much he really do. Because again, like he said, he's not a soldier. He, he's not under this colonel's command. So he's right. And try to take the uniform from him. I would love to see that. I, I just love that page, though, because it talks about it shows. Major victory. Like so, even though he started out as a foil for the Suicide Squad, he has joined the team, and and he re- lets us know that he's no stoolie, and he he's his own man, and he he does the right thing, and that's his intention entire entire time. Even though he was opposing our Suicide Squad, again he was doing the right thing, and as far as his mind, that's what he wants to do is the right thing. So, and he knows that Amanda Waller. Even though, again, she was responsible for the rest of the, his team dying, he realizes that no matter how gruff she may be or how much of a pain in the butt she may be, she tries to do things the right thing, the right things, maybe the wrong way, as I talked about in my opening. But yeah, so I just love that that little scene there. That's fantastic. And then the next page is a nice little panel, page 10, a nice little scene between uh, John, the warden, and... Vixen, uh, and they're talking about, you know, what comes next. And John's basically letting us know that uh, Kale's already taken off. Mitch and the others are shutting down Jaeger, and they're heading out. Mac, Murphy, and Dr. White and Father Kramer, they're staying on because they actually have legitimate jobs there. They weren't there for the Suicide Squad. They were just co-opted for it. And John said that he's about ready to retire. He said that when Flo got killed during the whole Apocalypse Now storyline, something's changed. She was a good kid. She didn't deserve to die that way. So he thinks he's about ready to head off with his his ex-wife and maybe try to work things out with her. And Mari says that she's going to go maybe go back to modeling for a while because she was a model before she became a superhero. And she's going to try to find out what's going on with uh, Ben, a.k.a. Bronze Tiger, because after... Uh, the issue where he was questioned, he hasn't been the same. He, he's been very shut down and not opening up to her like he normally does. And then we get Murphy entering the scene. Murph's like, have you guys seen Waller? And apparently find out she's in the briefing room with Deadshot, Ravon, and Poison Ivy. And I like this. Uh, Mur- uh, John's like, I saw her in the mission briefing room with Ravon, Deadshot, and po- Poison Ivy. Something wrong? I don't know. She just says she's going to hand, she's going to handle their transfers personally. It's just my nasty imagination, or is the wall up to something? Not Amanda. And basically, uh, Amanda's talking with the three of these, and I guess she had Poison Ivy, who's a botanist and an expert in poisons, analyze this stuff that the Lola's using, drugs that the Lola's using, and we find out that it turns people into zombies, and that under someone's control, and Amanda realizes that. The Lola is creating their own zombie army, basically. So she tells the three of them that, you know, well, that uh, Deadshot and Ivy are going back to lockup. And uh, Rivon's going back, going to prison for his attack, his part in the jihad attack on Manhattan. And she's like, how about this? I cut you loose instead. And Ivy's like, who do we kill? The Lola. And Deadshot's like, sounds good to me. On whose authority are we getting released, though? Amanda's like, mine, I'll get you clear. And then once the mission's over, you're on your own. Any questions? And uh, Deadshot's like, yeah, I don't see any of the house heroes in attendance. Who's in charge of this little clam bake? Amanda's like, me. Remember, this bracelet, I can jolt you with electricity or blow off your whole damn arm. If any of you cross me while we're on the mission, don't try pushing it. Let's go. And uh, Deadshot's betting his mask. And he's like, is there a plan or do we start shooting things at random? And Amanda's like, you shoot things on my order. So, yeah, I love the scene here where Amanda, she, she realizes that she's, you know, 
she's out of a job. Who knows what else is going on with her after this? So she's willing to let these three dangerous people go. Again, Poison Ivy is always in the Batman books, causing problems. Deadshot is a hired killer. And Ravon is a, uh, a, a, a I don't want to say a mercenary, but he's a, a terrorist. I think that's the word I'm looking for. And she's willing to let these guys go if they can take out the Lola because she knows that, like she said earlier, t- checkmate is busy. They won't have time right now to take care of it. And by the time they get free to handle it, who knows where they're the Lola's going to be. So she's willing to cut these three loose if they can take care of this job for her. So again, we get the next couple pages of the team tracking down the Lola. Uh, they use their individual talents to find out where the main guys are at. And again, like here on page uh, 16, great page. Cause again, I love Deadshot. He's a great character. Uh, I don't think they did him justice in the movie, but that's another story entirely. Um, we get Deadshot staying right in the middle of the road because, again, as we've talked about previously, Deadshot does have a bit of a uh, a suicide, suicidal mind, uh, suicidal tendencies. I guess the word I'm looking for. So he's standing right in front of this car as it comes barreling towards him, and he just pulls up his wrist guns. I love and just shoots the car, dodges out of the way as the car crashes into the wall, and the man comes running up. You better hope you better left someone alive. Deadshot's like, hey, I picked my shots. So they pull the one guy called Old Bones out to uh, have him answer some questions. And he's like, I'll take my chances, you know, because if I betray Dabala and eat my soul as you yours, fat woman, for this attack. And Ben is like, give him a crest, Ivy, and a kiss of sodium pethanol, a.k.a. true serum. So again, we continue the next couple of pages. Amanda tracking down and finding the leaders of the Loha, Loha, Loa. They're again great pages of battle here on page nineteen. We get them invading the uh, the place where they're at. Ravon blows the door open. Deadshot, Amanda come in, blowing people away. We get Ravon there strangling people like he does, and just some great scenes of Deadshot shooting these these zombies in quotes. A nice panel here at the very last panel of this page. Amanda's in the elevator loading her gun or her pistol, handgun, whatever it is. Just a great scene. I would love to see this play out in a movie or a TV show. I would love for, for this, but uh, I would leave it to WB to screw it up. But that's my own thoughts interfering. And like this, so she busts in on where Dabalam all them's at. And he's like, very well, you have us. We surrender. And Amanda's like, I don't care. I'm not part of the law. Not anymore. Kill them. And just about page 20 here, the look on their these guys' face like, what? wait a minute, you're supposed to take us to jail. But again, like we said, Amanda, has, she's been fired. Or the prisoners are going back to jail if she didn't do something. So again, she she's taking things in her own hand. She's not playing by the rules. She's taking these, these scumbag out because she knows that the court's I don't want to say are useless against this type of people, but they're they're useless. Their lawyers will get them off, and it's just a load of BS, basically. So she's like, you know what? You're not going to do this anymore. And so, again, we get Deadshot killing all three of them. And I guess Amanda, I guess all both of them kill them. Because we at top of page 21, we saw all three of them jerk, blam, blam, blam. And then the next panel over... We see a man with her smoking gun, t- dead shot with his smoking wrist guns. She's like, get out, get away. We're finished. And again, just a great panels here. Like a lot of either dark, shadowy panels or close-ups. It's very good the way that Amanda is, fin- Amanda is finishing this off. Then we cut to start still holding a paper saying Bourbon Street Massacre. Uh, she says that, he says, I'm sorry, let me see here. Sarge still is saying that he took Amanda's report. She says that after Lola was killed, she let Revon, Isley, and Lawton go. Uh, they don't know where they're at. Waller called the police and stayed there until the cops arrived. And so the, what they're finding out is that everything that Amanda's been telling them has been confirmed with what they found in Lola's headquarters. 
And they're like, well, you know, no, the public doesn't need to know. What should we do with Waller? And still said our public position regarding Waller means the same. The government had no foreknowledge of her actions. She acted as a private citizen and is subject to criminal prosecution. Yes, she could blow at the top. She could blow, the top, blow us out of the water if she wanted to, but we don't have to worry about that, sir. She's already pled guilty. She's already pled guilty to a plea bargain. The charges get dropped to manslaughter, and she'll plead guilty. Her lawyer doesn't understand. And again, she could have gotten away with the others, but she stayed around because again. Uh, they're saying that I don't understand. No, I don't know why she stuck around either, why she doesn't get away. And maybe if I forget, I haven't read these issues in years, but I think she's wanting to pay the price for Flo dying. And again, like I said, Amanda's not a, a bad guy in quotes, not like the Suicide Squad movie made her out to be, uh, the first one. Killing her support staff, that really still bugs me. But anyway, <laughs> but Amanda does has done some bad things. Yes, for the right reasons, but they're still bad things. And I, I think she just wants to pay for it and be done with it. And so again, this last panel here, yeah, where we say, no, sir, I don't understand it either. We have a nice long shot of Amanda sitting on her sail bunk. Uh, the prison bars being highlighted, showing her just sitting there. It's a great final panel and if this series was ending it's not yet we still got a while to go but if the series was ending this would be a nice panel to go out on if this was a movie or a tv episode or something uh this would be a nice panel a nice scene to go out fade out on as we see amanda waller sitting there on her cell in her jail on her bed just the shadow from the bars highlighting her as we fade to black i, I love the way this ended I don't know how much of this was Kim and John Ostinger's idea and how much of it was uh, Luke McDonald's, but or if it was a, all together. Again, I would love to see the script for this, especially this last page, because this is just some great artwork. And I, I can't stop bragging, not bragging, but uh, going on about how fantastic it is. And then at the very bottom it says, next, one year later, guest starring Batman. And again, so like I said, next the next four issues is a uh, I forget the name of it offhand, but it's a four issue little mini arc here, kind of resetting the stage because again the Suicide Squad's been shut down. A man is in jail for murder, so we jump ahead one year. Uh, we get Batman showing up. So again, great stories. This is getting good. Well, it's been good, but it's getting even better. And like in the next issue box here, it says, no, this wasn't a dream or imaginary tale. Amanda is behind bars. Shard still has to spend in the Suicide Squad. And Ben Turner is still missing. What does that mean next issue? Let me see. Try that again. But does that mean next issue of 22 page prison scene? Not on your life. <laughs> and we might not hear that Amanda's, uh, we'll pick up Amanda after she's had time to cough in jail uh, and so forth. But again, so definitely can't wait for the next issue to read that for that story arc. Uh, here we go. The story next for the story arc is called the Phoenix Gambit. And I like this, it says it's going to panderously shamelessly to Batman fans it had full color fold out mini poster. Uh, it was a great poster. I had that. Uh, I don't know what happened to that over the years, but anyways, great. It was a great story. Like the whole thing up to here, like I said, they could have ended the story here and been, or not the story, but the, the series here and been fine. But luckily, we get more Suicide Squad next month. Uh, we're going to take a break, I think, for the next two months from Checkmates. Uh, maybe three. I, I may try to squeeze a Suicide Squad commentary, uh, the new Suicide Squad movie commentary there in the next couple months. I'm not sure when I'm going to do that, but I'm going to try to do it soon. But uh, I guess that's going to do it. Again, great stories. I'm loving where we're headed on both of these. The only problem with the Checkmate storyline is that I know we're coming to an end. Even though Suicide Squad looks like it's an ending, I, I know Checkmate is ending soon in the next five, six months. Well, for storyline, for the book-wise. For us, it can be a little longer than that since we're taking a couple of months break to look at the, the Phoenix Gambit. But that'll do it for this month. Um, let me know what you guys think. Go ahead and write in to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. Let me know what you guys think about the show. Are you guys enjoying it? Uh, how am I doing? I definitely want to hear back from you guys. 
I love hearing from people. Also visit us on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash headcast network. I just have the one group for all of my shows. So go on over there. Come on over there. Let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. Go join up and let us know. And also, uh, if you like what I'm doing, check out Patreon. That's patreon.com slash headcast network. And let us know if you want. If you like what I'm doing, pitch a couple bucks into the tin. Help us out. And finally, uh, I don't know if I've announced this on this show yet, but I do now have a voicemail set up. You can leave a message area code 559-500-3182. Again, that's 559-500-3182. Leave us a message. Let us know how we're doing. Let me know how I'm doing. Any improvements? Any, you know, When you're calling in, make sure you leave for the name of which show you're calling in for. Because again, I got the one number for all of my shows. So definitely uh, leave what show you're calling and let me know what you think. How am I doing on the show? Anything I see improved on, anything that I can do better, anything you don't like, definitely let me know. But that's going to do it for this month. We will talk to you next month here on Task Force X, where we're going to start looking at the Phoenix Gambit, the four-issue story arc within Suicide Squad. So that's Suicide Issues uh, 40 through 43, 40, 41, 42, 43, yeah. So the next month we'll look at 40 and 41, and the following month, 42 and 43. So check those out and come join us. Uh, in the meantime, squadmates dismissed. to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main headcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever is bugging me. Mate, you just out crazy the Joker. <laughs> well, I tried Boomer, but anyways, my home on the internet is at headspeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P-E-A-K-S dot C-O-M Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every headcast can be found there. Both Task Force X and Headspeaks are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at headspeaks.com under Headcasts. Please feel free to email me any questions, comments, or concerns to taskforcex at headspeaks.com and if you want to record a message, you can send it to me at taskforcex at headspeaks.com, and I'll play it on the air. I'm also on Facebook at TaskForceX, and also on Google+, Plus, you can look for TaskForceX under people and pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, or Task Force X. I'm just a big fan wanting to spread the Task Force X love with everyone else. Uh, DC Comics can be found on the web at dccomics.com. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that may interest you. Mother... Well, make sure you join us here next time for another fun-filled headcast from your friendly neighborhood, Brotherhead. In the meantime, I'll see you in the funny pages.